Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. It's a demons. That's right, everyone. It is the Thunderdome. It's Halloween, man. We got to bring our fucking A game. This is Halloween. This is the day we've all been waiting for. I knew yeah. you were gonna do that. I, we did that last year. I, I think. but like every time, I literally cannot stop myself. Like I there know. are some phrases in this world. Like when you kept saying Santa Fe in the last episode, every time in my head, Santa <laughs> Fe. Like I just, I can't, I can't not yeah. do it. I, I respect that. You know what? Let's just we can do it every year. It's like a Christmas carol. You sing the same songs every yeah. year. This is this is our our this, day, our special day. Honestly, though, like it is. Mm. Can mm-hmm. I tell you about some high heresy? Yes. My Halloween. So I'm the only person who dresses up at my museum because... Bullshit. Fucking nerds. Ugh. But anyway, I spend my time going to schools and teaching things using museum artifacts. Mm-hmm. And the school that I'm going to... Is it a Christian school? Halloween. No, it's a public school. Oh, okay. <laughs> but they have outlawed Halloween at their school because it's too I'm much of a distraction. Sorry. I know, right? You thief of joy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I so I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll just come in my costume then. And they kind of were not so subtle about like, could you not? And I was Can like, you not? But it's but, but it's I think Halloween. you, sh- I think you should, and just pretend that it's not a costume. <laughs> right. Well, so this year I'm going as the bearded lady from uh, the Greatest Showman, as you've seen, which and is so, fucking magnificent, right? Sometimes when you just like have a moment of clarity, and then mm-hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, right, obviously. Like when obviously. I was 19 or so, I was like, oh, I look like Ursula the Sea Witch, and so I started developing that as like part of my personality, and, and yeah. And so mm-hmm. watching The Greatest Showman, it didn't occur to me the first five times I watched it. But mm-hmm. on the sixth, the mm-hmm. coin dropped. And yes, I was like, did. here we go. Here we fucking go. Yeah. Do you know what I'm going to be for Halloween? Uh, will you be the Holtzman weird... again? No. Well, okay. I can always be Holtzman. I have that in my back pocket. Forever. But this year, I'm going as a, in a group uh, costume as um, Jughead, everyone's favorite moody teen from the uh classic cw show riverdale <laughs> isn't that um cole like, sprouse yes it is yeah one of the kids who lived in the hotel right mm-hmm. yep sweet uh sweet life of zach and cody i full disclosure i did have to look him up on the internet to make sure it wasn't creepy that i thought he was attractive is it What's it's the not he's okay. only a couple years younger than me everything's fine <laughs> right so even though he's legal but is it inside the the formula do you know the formula what's the formula all right so it's your i'm age. not that old just so you know so that the formula i think i know vaguely what the formula is but like okay well, i feel just like to be sure okay what i is think it? that other people need to know the formula too so it's yeah. your age in half plus or minus uh-huh. seven so the so plus or minus 28 halved 14. 14 and now because you're looking for the lower uh dis- digit you have to add seven to 14 so the youngest 14 you can lust plus... after is 21 
okay, we we're fine. He's like 24 or some shit. I don't know. Good. Okay, yeah, that's good. No, I think he's older. Who knows? Cole Sprouse. Somebody Google it. Tell us later. Um, and then, so older, you would double your age. So 28 times 2 is what? 54? And then you minus 7 from 54. So that is 43. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. 8 times 2 is 16. Oh, what did I say? 54. So that'd be I don't have to be smart. I'm pretty. 56. Listen, I'm pretty and I have enormous tits. <laughs> don't tell me about my life. <laughs> I got a man to do my this thinking is, for me, Jen. This is just for everyone who's like angrily typing at us right now. Right. Hang on. I'm just going to take the whole line again. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let the record reflect <laughs> that I knew math for one shining moment. But the point is the oldest I can go is 56. Is that what we're saying? 56 plus minus, minus seven? seven. So 50. 59. 49. 49. 49. Very good. Shut up. Everybody suck my fat dick. <laughs> That's also at me, sarcastically, because I can't do math either. Again, we don't have to be smart. We're pretty. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> that's uh, fun. Yeah. Congratulations on not being a pedophile, Jen. Proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. It was Thank a low bar, much. but damn it, you did meet it. I did. <laughs> oh. It was very close, all of you know. <laughs> sad um yeah no he's a reasonably attractive kid i get it but so are you being him because you like his character or because you think he's pretty yeah yes (laughs) (laughs) okay i just there's this really uh you you might have seen a gif of it where he's just like looking over his shoulder and he's like i'm weird i'm a weirdo (laughs) it's I have the not. Funniest. I'll I'll post something. It's just like he's so he's such a sad emo kid who's just like sitting alone typing at his typewriter, and he's wasn't just, the original Jughead kind of like a class clown character? Like, yeah, I don't know the Archie comics. Something? The Archie comics get real weird. That's I did true. find out this summer that there's a whole horror series. Yeah, where Sabrina brings back the dead. Well, yeah, Sabrina comes into it, which A, I'm excited for that show. Amen. Um, and B, like there's one there's one in particular that I found where like Jughead turns into a werewolf and like Betty is like a super werewolf slayer and uh it just gets like real, real wild. So I want to read those because it it looks interesting. So my yep. best friend's little sister was super into Jughead and Archie or whoever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just thought it was the lamest shit in the whole world. And oh, same. Well, yeah. Same. So what's nice is that you seem to be confirming that for me. <laughs> no, yeah, it's totally like, well, and also, okay, it's it's a CW show. This show is very different than the comics. It's, right. It's like the, it's like Gossip Girl meets Twin Peaks. Well, that is a very intriguing sentence that you just said. Yeah. Damn it, Jen. You might be selling me on this. I'm just saying the first season's really good. I do love Twin Peaks. Okay. It gets real weird. This season is very, like, has a lot of elements of True Detective in it. Season one. Wow. It's real weird. All right. All right. Apparently, I'm going to check this shit out. Yep. While we're making recommendations for CW shows, everybody should be watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, hell yeah. Are you on it? Are you are you caught up? I'm not I'm not caught up, but it is a very good show. 
All right. All right. We are spending way too much time on not Halloween <sighs> shit. Let's get to work. One more um, thing. Haunting of Hill House. Yes. Haunting of Hill House. Yes. Everything. I'm so glad Netflix is producing horror now because like we needed God, that. it's so fucking good. It's so good. I can't get over it. Anyway. You know who was ahead of this trend was Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy knew where the world was going. Mm. He and Alan Ball were like, the world needs terror, man. Yeah. You know what? It's already a scary place. It's just like having... Yeah. Just embrace it. Just embrace the spookiness. Well, and on top of that, it it's a terror that feels manageable. Like, there's nothing I can do about, you know, peace in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Well, there's very little I can do. But at um, least you can sit and yell at your screen right. to not go into that room. Exactly. Or, like, you know, knowing that it's a werewolf. And at the end mm. of the day, werewolves are really not my problem. So yeah. there's a lot. Of, I think that's one of the joyous things about Halloween is that... It gives you a break from real problems to yeah. let you focus on shit that you know in your heart of hearts does not actually matter. And you can pretend like it matters for a day. Just so okay. I just like, I just need to wax uh, poetic about Halloween for a second. Because it's, it's the best. The best holiday. It's, it's the best. fall. The leaves are changing. It might be snowing if you live in the north. It is here already. It is not. Oh, yes, it is. There's snow on the ground. You and have to leave that place. That place is not safe. But anyway, it's still beautiful. I love the fall. It just smells cold and crunchy. And you get to wear I'm weird sorry, it clothes. Smells crunchy? It smells crunchy. I said what I said. You heard me. <laughs> okay. And Good. you get to crunchy. go around and you get to eat candy and you get to, to be spooked out. And it's so much fun. Yep. I love Halloween. My favorite thing about Halloween is that the whole holiday is exclusively about having fun. There mm-hmm. is no little sidebar about religion or no being family nice to bullshit. People. Yeah. We're just here to have a good time. And like <sighs> I'm a big believer that we're here for a good time, not for a long time. Mm-hmm. Or YOLO. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. As the children say. As the youth as the youth are known to quip. <laughs> I can't say YOLO with a straight face. (laughs) Did you know that all of that is memento mori? YOLO is? YOLO, yeah. So when we think about (laughs) memento mori, we often are thinking about, you know, like photographs of dead people who look like they're still alive. You know, like Victorian death photographs. Yeah. But that's really not, that's only like a facet of memento mori. Memento mori is all about remembering a memento that you Mm. have to die. Mori, mortality. And so when we say things like, you know, the only thing you can be sure of is death and taxes or YOLO or, oh, there's other phrases about dying that are mm-hmm. quite permeated. Um, it all goes, I mean, it's, it's such an ancient practice. Um, Roman generals who were very successful in war would have peasants follow behind them and whisper in their ear, remember that you have to die, <laughs> that you too are mortal. That's so goth. I know. I love it. Isn't it great? (laughs) So I actually developed this into a whole program at the museum. And it's super fun to give. And everybody's like, I don't know if I want to do that. And I'm like, trust me, you do. And we go over like the practices of Victorian hair art and Mm, uh, talking about life in bedlam. And it's the best. Oh, my God. Um, And it's just my little goth soul working its way out in my professional life. (laughs) That's wonderful. That's all I want to do in my career is just... Dude, be a professional creep yeah <laughs> so yeah it's all memento mori it's remembering that we have to die so you have to take advantage of now carpe diem memento mori well 
There Fuck. you go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There you go. All, All right, right. So speaking of seizing the fucking day, mm-hmm. uh, let can I can I read you some listener stories? Because it's Halloween. Yeah. Let's get to some spooky listener tales. It's our Halloween tradition. We'll read some do, spooky do, do, stories. Do, do. We read spooky stories that we didn't have to write, so we don't have to do as much work. <laughs> Halloween's about being drunk for Kate. Let's do this. Yeah. One beer in already. Are you? <laughs> yes. Fuck, I should catch up. All right. So this is from our good friend Donnie. Donnie and I are Twitter friends. What up, Donnie? Hey, Donnie. So, okay. Hey, ladies. Hey. My wife suggested... Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> My wife suggested that I listen to you a, couple- a few months back when I first started listening to pods. Mm. Oh, boy. Was she ever right that I would like you to? Mm-hmm. Same Z's friend. Um, I have wanted to tell this story since I first, since I heard your first listener story episode. I grew up in West Tennessee, which is my favorite state. I think Tennessee's super pretty. Uh, my family That's, moved back. Okay. No, you don't like Tennessee? No, it's, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. My sister it's, lives there. It's fine. It's really pretty. She lives in West Tennessee, too. I would, I would move to Chattanooga. Like, when I murder my husband and start my new life, mm-hmm. I'm going to move to Chattanooga. That's my plan. Interesting. It's the prettiest place. All right. I haven't been, so I can't judge. So, All right. Well, then just remember what I said. So when I disappear, you'll know where to find me. Okay. Interesting. My family moved back in 1980. And when we did, we lived with my grandmother. (laughs) So in 1984, my grandmother, my grandma had my mother, my brother, myself, and her own mother living inside this house. Holy shit. Yep. Uh, my great Some Charlie grand- and the Chocolate Factory shit. <laughs> right? My great-grandmother was in her mid-90s at the time. That's awesome. That is some fucking longevity. That's cool. Sometime in the spring or summer, her water heater went out. She called a plumber and decided he was too expensive, so she called my uncles over to replace it. The water heater was in the basement, and from the sand floor, the house I had recently... The house I recently found out was built in 1919. Happy 100-year mm-hmm. anniversary to the house. Yeah. So the floor above was eight or nine feet. What was strange about this is that the water heater sat on a block of some kind. Mm-hmm. When my uncles took it off this block and looked at it, they saw that it was a fucking headstone. Nah. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. The L and N railroad had a spur in town. When they came into the town, the city cemetery had been where my grandmother's house was built. They had supposedly paid to move the bodies and the headstones to where the city cemetery is now. Holy fucking shit. I would not want a cemetery in my house. Mm -mm. That's just me, though. We go on. Later that year, I was eight or nine, and my brother was two years younger. The first thing we experienced was we were going to bed one night, and we walked past the kitchen, you know, directly above the... I think this is directly above the fucking tombstone yep. where where we saw a pale, translucent old woman oh, who turned and waved at us. Fuck that noise. She looked like an old timey prairie settler. I think oh. the woman was a benevolent ghost. Nice. Well, okay, good. That's good. It is good. This event started everything else that happened in this house. I started having sleep paralysis until I was about 30. Holy shit. Mm. My brother saw on a couple of occasions a man who bared his teeth and harassed him. The prairie Mm -hmm. lady needs to talk to that guy. That is not Mm. okay. (laughs) We lived in the house for about two more years, but my grandmother lived there until the mid-90s. When I asked my mother about it recently, she said that my grandmother sold the house and moved quickly. Before she moved, I had talked with my grandmother about the house. She told me that she heard the basement... Nope. 
She she told me that she heard the basement doorknob turning. She lived by herself in the last few years. I know that she was scared and my grandma didn't scare easy. This is my, this isn't my only ghost story, but you'll have to wait till later to hear the adventures here in Louisville until next time. Until next oh time, stay spooky, motherfuckers. Donnie Jesus. in Louisville. Thanks, Donnie. Yeah. That fuck that. Your poor grandma. I'm glad she was like, nope. You're see, this is why your grandma is smarter than almost every white person in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, somebody's trying to open the basement. I better go open that door. See if they need let's, some help. Let's flip this house. <laughs> There's a tombstone in the basement. That's great energy. That's gonna be a selling point. <laughs> Nothing will go wrong. Not a problem, guys. Not a problem. <laughs> well, do you want to hear another one that is about some ar- archives, ar- archives? You know that I do. Yes, we love us uh, some spooky museum shit. Yes, yes. So this yes. this story comes from Caitlin, and she says, "Hi." Uh, to start off, I love the podcast. It is my favorite one of all the ones I listen to. Wow. Thank you. Gracias. Wait, what was her name? Say her name again. Caitlin. Caitlin. Badass name. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's close to yours. But anyways, let's get spooky. Yeah. My my mom, my brother, and I have always been more sensitive and weird stuff has always happened to us. But I try to find rational explanations for things that have happened to me slash us. While there are a few situations that I can't explain away, I'll share a more recent one that I've tried to and can't. For a little backstory, I go to a college in the South and a couple of semesters ago, I took an archaeology class that focused on the state where I currently live. Early in the semester, the class went on a field trip to the two archival buildings in town. The first one we went to held more than more of the legal documents for wills, land sales, etc. And the second one held more personal documents, letters, store receipts, journals, etc. Guess That's which the, one's haunted? Those are the good ones. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it was in the second building that my experience happened, though there were weird vibes at both places. Awesome. I also keep so um you know how I love facing dark windows. I'm doing <laughs> I'm I do that every time now and uh I also have my white fluffy bathrobe that hanging on my mirror in the background and every time I look up it catches my eyes and I think it's like oh <laughs> perfect. That's exactly the energy you need right now. Got to get me in the mood. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so We had gone through a tour of the climate-controlled rooms and explanation of how they store and preserve these documents and were in the room adjacent to it, where people can read through and research. Oh, man. Research rooms. Um, In this room were a couple of bookshelves, a couple of normal tables and chairs, and one huge table that had a ton of chairs around it. Me and my classmates were around this table. I was standing up, and to my right, a good arm's length from me, were a few others standing, and then the teacher, and then to my left, about 10 feet of space before there were more of my classmates who were sitting in chairs. I feel like I'm there. This is very thorough. Yeah. My professor was an archaeologist who studied and worked in the area a bit south of our town that had previous settlements and was talking about the documents he found in the archive relating to this person who had lived this er- in this area prior to 1819 when Alabama was still a territory. Basically, this dude's story was that he and his family originally lived in Georgia, but his wife died, so he packed up his kids and his slaves and moved to Alabama and eventually drank himself to death. Fun. 
Super fun. Yeah. Good life plan. Yeah. My professor had a couple of documents relating to this dude out on the table, including some letters from the guy and his relatives and a store record where the majority of what he bought was whiskey, moonshine, slash whatever strong-ass alcohol they had back then. Hence, early grave. Yeah, 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 that'll do it. This guy sounds like a real charmer. (laughs) As he was telling the story of this guy, I noticed somebody standing maybe five to six feet away from me and more to the back of the room. I only saw this guy out of my peripheral vision and didn't get a good look at him. He had on a white shirt and black pants and looked to me about my height, around five foot nine. As the story went on, this dude kept moving closer to me. The feeling I got from this dude was really heavy and almost suffocating. Like he was pressing down hard on my left shoulder from above me. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everything's fine that's our new intro music (laughs) yeah (laughs) however i am a bit particular about personal space and there are some people i just don't like to be physically close to because i get similar feelings from them so i assumed it was one of the docents or someone in the class who i didn't know had moved behind me (sighs) yep but this figure kept getting close to me and i kept scooting to my right as he would move closer from my left finally It got to a point where it felt as though he were right beside me. Hard pass. Nope. I I could feel as though he were right beside me, although slightly behind me to where I couldn't see him entirely. And the feeling of pressure affected not only my shoulder, but the entire left side of my body and felt as though it were spreading to the rest of my body. That is fucking terrifying. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to continue to move and crowd the person to the right of me, so I turned around to look at him and be like, hey, bro, can't move any further. (laughs) Do you want to switch places? Otherwise, back off. I'm trying to pay attention here. And as I turn to look at him, the figure just disappeared. What I love about this is that it's happening in a crowd full of people. Yeah. So, like, it's one of those experiences where you're really in your, like, we're very present mentally when we are with other people in a group setting. That's when humans are at their highest brain level function mm-hmm. because that's survival. So when we have an experience like that, you are more likely to trust what is happening as opposed to, like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're asleep on your bed or mm-hmm. you're alone in a basement. She was in a brightly lit room with yeah. many other people having this experience. Yeah. That's badass. Yeah. There was no one there that I could see, but the feeling was still there. Tried to explain it away, but there had been no one behind me, and the closest person to my left was 10 feet away and was uh, was stationary, sitting in a chair the entire time. I also had... (laughs) Yeah. I also had my eyes on the doors, so I would have seen someone else come walking in. The walls were deep yellow paint with no decorations that I could have mistook for a person-shaped figure. But about that time of me trying to explain it away, my professor dismissed us, and I flew out of there like a bat out of hell. Hell yeah, man. The full meatloaf. Get out of there. Yep. There was no way I was going to stick around after that. That feeling of heaviness didn't leave until the moment I walked out of the building. And because half my extended family is Catholic... One of them gave me a rosary for my car back when I started driving, which I stuffed in the glove compartment because I am very much not a Catholic. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
but decided, hey, maybe this will make me feel better. Yes. Yeah. You know what? Go for it. Uh, so port in a storm. Yeah. So I hung it around my rear view mirror for the following week before shoving it back into the glove compartment. It did its job. Yeah. So, <laughs> hey, what's up, Jesus? Thanks for helping out a little. Right. Quick shout out to the Pope. All right. <laughs> yeah. The story was probably a bit more tame than some, but it was one of the more scary experiences that I've personally had. I've never experienced something on the negative side before then. I've only told my parents and one of my friends. That friend promptly told me I should start carrying salt with me everywhere. It's not a bad idea. Yeah, it's not. Blue usually has a couple packets of salt with her at all times. Oh, that's good to know. Good to mm-hmm. good to have on you. Useful practice. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of other stories that maybe I can email at another point, but since the majority of those involve both me and other family members, I'd have to check with them first. Yeah, that's about it. Says, awesome. Thanks for making days interesting with your podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for sending in your story, Caitlin. That's that awesome. Was, that's a yes. really good one. I know you think it's tame, but it really isn't. That's that's a very... That's a uh, lot. That's aggressive. It, yeah. it's, it's kind of like a little bit of a Me Too movement, like... Like, yeah, I have a feeling that if this ghost is directly linked to a spirit, that that spirit wouldn't have thought very highly of women being educated or mm. of women being in control of their own space. Mm-hmm. I, maybe I'm just like oversensitive based on everything that's happening in the news. But that <laughs> maybe it was feels... that piece of shit dude who was just drunk all the time and awful yeah. to everyone. Exactly. All right, so my darlings, thank you for listening to this first half of the episode. My good friend Mm. Connie, another museum bitch, came into the studio without Jen. Jen couldn't be with us this time. She was in Baltimore or some shit. I was Uh, learning things. Yeah, pointless. Women should be educated. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, no, so Connie's coming in to speak with us about some of the more modern recent history of Halloween Uh, how things developed into what we have today, the sort of imagery that's affected. So so we're going to transition into that now. All right, everybody. Hey, happy Halloween, guys. This is Kate, and I am joined today in studio with my very good friend and other museum bitch, Connie. (laughs) Connie, can you say hey? Hey guys. All right. Connie and I have known each other for five years? Roughly. Like when did when did you and Mike get together? Oh, about five years ago. That's yeah. so weird, right? Yeah. So Mike was my coworker and now he's moved on to bigger and better things. He's better than us. It's fine. We're fine. We don't miss him all the time. But in that inter in the time where we were together, Mike and Connie got married. I got to be at their wedding, which was magnificent. Super cute. And what I learned about Connie along the way is that she is also a secret goth girl. (laughs) And so, you know, just following each other's Facebook and stuff, she posted about doing programs about Halloween. And I was like, oh my God, let's talk. (laughs) And so that's part of the reason that she's with us tonight. Along the way, uh, I've learned so so many wonderful things about her. Like I said, she's another museum professional. And she actually got to do her senior thesis on the costume collections of 1930 magicians. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh yeah, so that was super badass actually. So I uh, was in this program 
where we had to do like a final project for our master's degree. And I ended up working at uh, this magic museum, the American Museum of Magic in Marshall, Michigan. Yep, which, which is, is super cute. Fantastic, by the way. And my project was, I, I just can't even describe it, I shit you not, that you went down in the basement and there was this very creepy large wooden trunk that had sat in someone's uh, barn for 30 years. Wow. And this was a Michigan basement, so it's like stone walls, dirt floor, yep. um, single table, and then just a single light bulb over the table. And basic- So it looked like a serial killer den. Yes, it did. And there was like lots of memorabilia and crap everywhere that a serial killer could be hiding in the shadows. Fantastic. Yes. Now, all this memorabilia... The person who, who the collection is now the museum, he was a bit of a magician hoarder, basically. Yeah, so anything that mentioned magic, had magic imagery, hinted that it might be related to magic in any kind of way, might have once been touched by a magician. I, I'm not kidding. Like, he had a, a dinner set, a uh, china set, <laughs> that he knew a magician had eaten off of once. Anything mildly related to magic, he wanted in his museum, and it was very much a private collection for many years. And when he passed away, it kind of transformed into this public museum. So he had been just showing it to other magicians or people that were interested in magic for years and years and years, and then all of a sudden they have to make it relevant to the public. So they had been doing that for a few years when uh, my project came around, and uh, they hadn't gotten through all the collection yet. They hadn't done really an inventory of everything that they had. They have wonderful things. So my project was to go through this creepy trunk full of costumes and take pictures of each of them, do an inventory, assess uh, for any insect damage, which there was insect damage and had been in a barn for 30 years, and do some research and try and figure out what magician these costumes had belonged to, if we could figure it out at all. I did that. It was fascinating. Uh, There were some strange costumes of the 1930s. Describe. Like... A leotard with a very creepy looking mouse tail attached to it. Lots of sequins. Early some... furries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... No shade on furries. You live your lives. And then uh, lots of sequins, some kind of like gypsy looking things just because of the era. Era. Yeah. yeah. And then most disturbingly, there were things that looked like KKK hoods in the uh, trunk. And they, they were like six of them. And I just really was like, why would this ever be in anything you know the implications of that right really disturbed although as we've talked about before in the 1930s the kkk was huge yeah so actually strangely enough those hoods became key to figuring out who the magician was because harry blackstone senior actually had a very famous act in which he was being chased by the kkk on horseback and so he was being chased and I, I don't remember how the switcheroo happens, but long story short, they capture him, they they bind him up somehow, and then the leader of the guy of the KKK on horseback pulls his hood off, and it is Harry Blackstone somehow. I love magic. Yes, I love magic. Yes. Oh my so God. in researching that, I figured out this this must be his, and we were able to go through some historic photos that we found online, and also in the collection of the museum itself. Matched more costumes. I was telling Kate before we started that we found even some wood wood beads, just randomly wood beads that were in a box that I'd been walking past for months and I saw a picture of his little showgirls and their little tutus and leotards and all this wearing those beads as necklaces ah! and for a museum person you're just like oh my gosh that like aha moment yes. is like the whole reason we are in this career yes so I can give them a home now I can I can show why these are here they have importance and I can connect them to not only this costume that I've been working on but also this magician and this whole backstory and this photo and there's now a whole reason that they exist 
exist in my world. That is so awesome. Yes. So oh, it that was, must have been so fulfilling. It was really, really cool. I don't work in collections anymore. I mean, it wasn't work that was for me in general. Sure. But like, man, was that fun. That, that museum is amazing. Would you say that that was the coolest part of their collection? Or was there an item that was cooler? What, like, what's the number one thing? Oh, it's like, it's so hard to say because I'm not personally super into magic history. I just like love the magic of it. Okay. You know, I love the fun of it. Um, They have a lot of Houdini stuff. They have Houdini's like milk cans. Um, They have some really great interactives now that that weren't there when I was there. And I've been back since that you can like try and squeeze yourself into the same area of of Like what the showgirl would have to do. Yeah. So it's just a really cool place and it's colorful. They have all these old magic posters on the walls. So if you've got like an hour or two and just want to kind of immerse yourself in the feel of, you know, vintage magic, I mean... I can't even pick a favorite because it's just so, there's so much there. So if you were to (laughs) pick one thing besides all that. (laughs) Besides the cool stuff. So the director, actually, he would spend quite a bit of time in their archives with me. Mm -hmm. um, Just killing time, as one does when you're working in a small museum. Honestly, that's one of the best things about working in a small museum is you get to build very personal relationships with staff. And... Sometimes you're literally just killing time while somebody's filling out note cards. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's a necessary part of the job and it looks like time wasting, but it's actually valuable team building. So the director of the time, he would say stuff like, oh, have you, have you seen this yet? Have you run into this? And one day he took me over to this cabinet and pulled out this archival box and he said, I bet you didn't know we had this. And it was a copy of uh, the Malefic- or Malleus Maleficarum. The Witch's Hammer. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. So, um, do you have like a circa year or? So it was published originally, I believe, in fourteen eighty seven. Fourteen. Fourteen eighty seven. I very much associate that with Cotton Mather. Yeah. No. So fourteen eighty seven. Malleus Maleficarum, the Manual for Hunting Witches. uh, At least according to this book. Oh yeah, I trust that book. Um, (laughs) and uh, they he thought it was from the fifteen hundreds. He didn't think it was an original copy or anything like that. Um, Touched a book from the. 1500s about hunting witches. It was amazing. I had gloves on, for the record. I touched it with gloves. My fingers did not actually touch the If I ever have the opportunity, I'm not wearing gloves. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a bad museum worker. (laughs) Yes, so, well, I was supervised. I mean, there was someone standing there. I would have been like, Hey, what's hey? Look, a distraction, and like stuff my face on it, like <laughs> like just like motorboated right a book. Just <laughs> 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 yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> that's, that's the worst thing I've ever said. That's they should fire me based on that. If they knew about this show, they could use that one clip and be like, out. That poor book would just feel so violated. <laughs> yep. Yes. <laughs> this is my me. This is the book's Me Too movement. <laughs> it's gonna rise up. That's right. <laughs> so he had this book, and the reason the book was in the collection to begin with is, I'm sure the the original collector had spent a ton of money on this, but the book itself apparently describes things that the book's authors associated with witchcraft, which mm-hmm. we now know were probably magic tricks. Sort of like the magic tricks that like a traveling yes magician showboat. What's the word I want for the 1400s? Um, all I'm coming up with is bard, and that's not right. Just yeah, traveling I, juggler, jester, traveling show, jester, jester, show person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So traveling jester, or even just your crazy uncle at like the dinner table. Right. Like, hey kid, have you seen this coin disappear? Like when you can like pull your thumb off. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. Uh-huh. He must be a witch. 
So, yeah, so he had it because of that. And he really pinpointed, he's like, this is the beginning of magic. This is part of magic's history. And I was just like, it's all about witches. I freaking love this. It's so cool. Yeah. Did you ever get to use that? I did not. Not in the scope of my project. I didn't have to use it. Okay. But I, I did. I did touch it. Ooh, that must have been so exciting. I kind of want to like, can I touch your hands? Yes. I'm sure yeah, you've sure. washed yes. since then. Yes. But... It's been a while. Oh. Yeah. It's been like a solid six years, but you know, maybe, maybe some of it is still Can we pull lingering. some of those strings and like, you can like knowing that I'm going to try and motorboat the book. <laughs> can you try and get me in the room? <laughs> I can see what I can do. Okay. Yeah. Just like understand though that it's everything you're going to do. Like you'll have to hold me by the ponytail <laughs> and make sure that I don't motorboat the book, but I'm going to try. To be fair, it's not currently on display. As far as I know, it wasn't on display last time I was there and it's it's, it's very much kept in a secure location. So, so yeah. You know how like Nicolas Cage steals the Declaration of Independence? <laughs> Are you going to launch like a national treasure? Yes. <laughs> What I'm saying to you is, I'm going to steal that book. <laughs> Just repelling in through the ceiling. Yeah, you know, uh, there's not a whole lot of ropes that can handle me, but uh, I do look real innocent. Nobody ever expects me to be up to as many shenanigans as I'm up to. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious, that is so marvelous. Well, when we're talking about the, the witch's hammer, I can't say it in Latin because I'm not that cool. You know, that that's such a big part of the way we view... Halloween, we think about witches as these, you know, hunched old crones and we associate these things and it all plays into our favorite holiday, Halloween. Yes. Uh, and today you are going to talk to us about not only the beginning of Halloween, we all know about Samhain. Um, that sounded ungrateful. <laughs> Let me try again. We are pretty well versed in the early beginnings of Halloween. Can you touch us on those and then we can build on some ideas? Sure, yeah. So I was a creepy little kid. God bless. Yes, absolutely. So I was really into learning about the history of Halloween from elementary school age and like that's the era of the internet kind of coming available. So in addition to the Beanie Babies website and, you know, any of the other little Neopets sites and whatever. Yes, Neopets. Yeah, so I was on those, but then I was also like doing like early dog pile searches for... Oh, history of Halloween. I'm going to write this super cool report. Yeah. Yeah. You baby nerd. I was that kid. History just comes so easily. So we've all been on those creepy sites that are just like kind of, uh, you know, established in 1999 with the little animated witch that flies across and yes. plays music and it's orange and black. And there's and the pointer stuff. is not a pointer. It's like a magic wand or, or something. Or stars that follow you across. Yes. Yes. So... Learning about the history of Halloween that way, I stumbled upon Samhain, which is the early Celtic Summer's End festival, Mm -hmm. where they believed that the, basically the the border between this world and the next world was very thin or disappeared, Mm -hmm. and that the dead would be able to walk the earth for for that night. Beautiful. Yes. So I love that as a kid. Absolutely. Obviously. What's not to love? The dead get to walk the earth on Halloween. I was looking out my window. I'm not going to lie. Yes. Yes. So... That they think that that might have contributed to over the centuries the trick or treating kind of thing. Although there's other theories as well as to how trick or treating came about, but definitely some pagan roots mm-hmm. there. So it was just, it, that that was always really fascinating to learn about. Absolutely. Yeah. And so so leaving Samhain behind, we know the basics of Samhain, guys. If you don't know the basics of Samhain, like like she said, the veil is thin. The dead can walk the earth. It's a good time to be in touch with your ancestors really um it's very closely related to dia de los muertos Mm -hmm. similar ideas 
whereas modern Halloween is quite different and there's a lot more ideas that feed into that. Can you take us through some of those building blocks of Halloween? So a lot of this information, should I talk about the book? Oh yeah, let's talk about yeah. the book. So um, Most so- of our show listener fans are like... Nerds. So I love it. Aren't they the best? Hello, fellow nerds. Nerds. I'm so happy to meet you. Little goth nerds. Oh yay. We love you. My tribe. Um <laughs> so anyway, um <laughs> it's so accurate. It makes me feel so welcome. Yeah. I love it. The reason all of this kind of came about for me as an adult person now, though, mm-hmm. outside of my Neopet phase when I was ten. Neopets. Um <laughs> Is through my work at the museum that I work at. We have this very eerie 1874 haunt, well, haunted, super um, haunted, super haunted. But no, I didn't say that. Officially um, speaking, mm-mm. officially not haunted <laughs> home that we do Halloween programming at every year. And in an attempt to make the Halloween programming as authentic as possible, I was like, well, I'll do a little research, you know. Just just for work purposes. Sure, and sure. before I knew it, I'm right down the wormhole. I'm that 10-year-old all over again. Of just course. Kind of crazy. So in this process, I found um, Trick or Treat, this book called Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween by Lisa Morton. Who is another one of our soul sisters, for sure. Yes. So she's amazing. She is an author, a screenwriter, and she calls herself a Halloween expert. Uh, I love so her. She's written this very comprehensive book on Halloween and has some other things out as well. But this is like... If a historian sat down and did like a very well annotated history of Halloween, that's kind of what this is. I ordered it off Amazon for pretty cheap. Got it used. What you basically described is my idea of porn. <laughs> you know, like cheap, uh, scholarly yes. Halloween history. Fucking sign me up. Yeah. So like even as a kid looking at all the the Halloween websites, there's like this air to it where you're like, I'm going to take this with a grain of salt because mm-hmm. half these words are spelled wrong and or capitalized weird. <laughs> and I'm just not entirely sure the scholarly merits here. That's not the vibe that you get at all with this book. She goes into a lot of really cool detail and then ties it to historic events. So mm-hmm. you have a better sense of where these changes in the holiday is coming from, from a cultural standpoint. As a historian, I get super geeked about that kind of thing. That's amazing. Yep. The first thing that she does outside of kind of more ancient history, she she talks about the Black Death. One of my favorite things to talk about. As is mine. I super, yes. Have you read Norman Cantor's In the Wake of the Plague? I have not. Do you want... I, oh, nope. I have it on Kindle. I was like, do you want to borrow my copy? But you can't because <laughs> <That's okay>. Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I will order it off. It's internet. well worth the money. It's amazing. Yes. So the Black Death from... 1346 to about 1350 is the peak years, but it appeared on on and off again for the next 400 years. Really devastating. During those peak years, it it killed an estimated 60% of Europe's population. 60? I've never heard the number get as high as 60. 60%. That's what she quotes in here. I've seen it all over the map as well. I've seen it 2030. I, on average, for the first plague, Mm -hmm. the first run of the plague, I've seen it average at 25. But uh, one of the points that Cantor makes is that there were a lot of deaths that weren't accounted for because mm-hmm. it wiped out everybody. So it could be. I have no trouble believing it's as high as 60, especially yeah. when you factor in the following years. Yes. You know, it just kept coming back. Yes. So 60 makes sense. I'm not questioning that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So she says 60. I've always heard 20 to 30, but a huge number of people regardless. Yeah. Can you imagine the trauma of that? Exactly. The trauma of that, knowing that, you know, 
in many cases, you know, many people, maybe your whole family is gone. Yeah. You are now the only person. And I mean, think about lifespan anyway. You only, li- I mean, a 30 year old was considered old. Right. I, w- I already feel old, but I feel <laughs> yes. like I'm not end of life old. Yeah, it was just a very different time. And because of the Black Death and the uncertainty of life and just this recurring fear of constantly dying and suddenly dying, because the onset was, I mean, it was rather sudden. Yeah. Um, It's a three-day plague, right? Yeah, I believe so. You get the fever, you get the rash and the buboes, you suffer for a day and you're gone. Yeah, and I mean, if you can imagine the horror of knowing in those two days. Yes, although I think your fever got high enough by day two that you were not really there anymore. Yeah. And that's kind of a small mercy, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, my friends who I am saying this, I am not an authority. That is just what I kind of halfway think I've gleaned. So don't quote that on any papers, people. Yes. Do your own Amazon order. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so because of all this this death and despair that was happening, the, the dance macabre that... <gasps> yes. 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 Oh my gosh. Have you seen the fresco that's painted uh, in Paris, I think? Yes. It's so wonderful. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, the dance macabre, um, it's referenced in a lot of places, but there's a very famous fresco painted on a wall. I want to say in Paris. I'm definitely going with France. <laughs> and it shows skeletons, sometimes wrapped in a red shawl, dancing with every single kind of level of society. So kings merchants, priests, uh, good women, all of it. And, mm-hmm. and it shows that death is coming for all of us. And it's so wonderful. It's also very well painted. So it's just an exceptional piece. Um, look it up. <laughs> and, yeah. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go no, ahead. no, no. I get no. so That's excited. Perfect. That's perfect. And I love it. So, so yes. So skeletons and Grim Reapers started appearing a lot in the art of the time. And yes. so, I mean, it was on people's minds. It was in the culture. It was just, it was permeating everything. We're here for a good time, not for a long time. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, Lisa Morton in her book, she draws the connection between the Black Death and then this, you know, kind of pulling skeletons into the, the Halloween kind Absolutely. of feel. Um, yeah, so, so many people died so quickly. There had to have been a lot of topside rotting bodies. Yes, or mass graves. Yes, and where just... you were. I mean, London. We've talked about this on the show before. London has so many mass graves that they run into them when they're laying subway lines all the time. Mm-hmm. So just amazing public nuisance death. I know that's not a nice thing to say that these deaths are a nuisance, but they were. It was. It was unsustainable. You couldn't keep up with the number of bodies that needed to be disposed of. Mm-hmm. So Just the, the trauma of that, of looking at dead bodies. I suppose if you watch enough Walking Dead, you kind of understand. Yes. I don't watch that show because I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, rather inappropriately, the Black Death always reminds me of that skit from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You know, bring out your dead. Bring out your dead. I'm, I'm not, not dead, dead yet. yet. <laughs> ah, you'll be stone dead in an hour. <laughs> I feel oh. happy. <laughs> no, no, just ignore him. <laughs> um, so many people have not seen that. So guys, uh, fix your lives. Yes. Okay. So, so again, you know, that was 1346 to 1350, uh, reappeared on and off for the, for 400 years. But then about uh, 150 years after it first appeared, we start having witch hunts. The witch hunts. <laughs> yes. I actually not. Ha ha ha. That's so bad. I should not be ha ha but I get so excited about the history. It's it's like a gruesome fascination for me. It's it like, is. I just want to know more, but I also want to look away. 
you know, I'm just like intrigued, but it's like passing a car crash. You know, you just like want to know, but you don't. We are wildly different people. <laughs> I roll my window down for a car crash. I don't want to miss a single detail. Oh my gosh. I, especially with witch hunts, um, because the hysteria really shocks me. And, you know, the older I get, I suppose the less surprising it is because people are fucking animals. Yeah. But when I was, you know, first introduced to it, Holy shit. Side note, fun sidebar. Did you know John Proctor's house is for sale? I saw that and I got so excited. I almost like wet myself. So no, yeah, he's the main focal point um, of Arthur Miller's play. He probably had less profound part in the actual historic events. I'm not an authority. Jen, Jen, if Jen were here, she'd be telling me exactly what, but she's not here. She's at a conference in Baltimore. So (laughs) anyway, so John Proctor's house is for sale. Uh, witch hunts is where you were. Let's go back. Witch hunts, yes. Beginning 1480, tens of thousands of people, mostly women, of course, mostly women, were imprisoned, beheaded, hanged, or burned alive at the stake for suspected witchcraft, which could be a major thing or a minor thing. Absolutely. A lot of times, sadly enough, it was for creating or spreading the plague. Which, like, they couldn't prove, first of all. Also, how does one create the plague? You can't create the plague. But, I mean, even if you did spread the plague, everybody's spreading the plague. Right. 60% of Europe is dying. Right. Like, come on. It's it's spread through the air, friends. I can't stop breathing until I've already died of the plague. So Exactly. So thank you for burning me at the stake. At least yes. you're warm in your final minutes. That yeah. must have been a new and unique feeling for most Europeans at that time. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. It is sad. <laughs> Oh, dark. Uh, so yeah, so that's when kind of the the, mal- the Malleus Maleficarum comes in, just right about that time, which is the manual for hunting witches. Um, and it is the first thing to really draw witches in association with the devil. So they're aligned with the devil, who may actually, interestingly enough, the devil, they believe at this time is, is kind of being, I don't know, I don't know how to say it, like kind of formed with pagan gods mm-hmm. so he's horned he's yeah. you know the the green man of the forest or the horned god mm-hmm. of the celtic pagans you know pan from the mm-hmm. greeks that horned half goat uh lends itself very well to these people who for the last mm, i don't know 600 years have kind of been low-key keeping these like folk traditions alive yes. now the church is seeking them out because you have to control every aspect if you're a church. Mm-hmm. So, yep. <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm trying to be less shitty about the church, and I'm not always successful. It happens. It's okay. Yeah. So this this horned figure, this horned-hooved figure, is now suddenly seen as a devil, the devil, with a capital D. And he's now a, appearing as a god to witches, or a consort, a leader of witches, you know? So this is really the first time that there's that really uh, strong line drawn, and um, there's even a chapter in the Malleus Maleficarum, I think it's called, quote, concerning witches who copulate with the devil. Ooh, getting fucked by Satan. Yes. 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 Um, So so they were doing all kinds of things, apparently, according to this book, uh, with the devil. So the one thing that I found really interesting, though, in this research, uh, in this book that I was reading, is that this is the first time that wit- that witches are associated with, like, the symbols of witchery yeah. that you would see at Halloween. So, brooms. So brooms, cauldrons, cats. Yes. And, and uh, Lisa Morton draws a connection that, you know, these are symbols of feminine housekeeping. Because we're attacking women! Yes! Of so course. it's just... 
it was it was brilliant. And when I read it, I just was like, yes, go girl. Like, yes, yes get this it. This has always been about attacking women and making sure women are kept under a thumb. Yes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was just fascinating. It was fascinating to hear that history. Moving on from witches, uh, one of the things that was associated with witches, even back uh, during the Salem witch trials, was an attempt at fortune telling. Mm-hmm. You know that I do some fortune telling. <laughs> uh, I'm not, I dabble more than I practice, but I was a hardcore pr- practitioner. There's some interesting stuff out there. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite things is folk divination. So there's there's a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, one of my favorite things to talk about, for example, is um, figuring out if your baby's going to be a boy or a girl. <laughs> there's so many little things. If the baby's carrying low, it's a girl. If it's carrying high, it's a boy. If the wedding ring on a string, when the mom takes her wedding ring off, if it goes up and down, like nodding yes, Mm -hmm. it's a boy. If it goes side to side, it's a girl. Have you noticed that girls are lower and the no symbol? I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so, So folk divination like that, that was also a big part of Halloween and our association with witches. Does any of that come into the history of Halloween? Yeah, and that was actually really um, part of why I wanted to look in the history of Halloween because I knew about this fortune-telling aspect. We have some Halloween postcards in Mm -hmm. our collection that feature beautiful young women looking into mirrors, and there's a little eerie poem about what you're supposed to do to see your true love on Halloween. Oh, God, I hate looking in mirrors. Ah, Mirrors and dark rooms, guys. Mm -hmm. You know how I am. It's the same. Yes. So we know that fortune-telling on Halloween dates back to at least the 1740s and likely earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, It appears in a Robert Burns poem uh, and appears in a couple other newspapers just in passing. You know, sure. this, this is this is happening. And it's usually of the, the who will I marry variety. Fun. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta know, ladies. We gotta know, right? right? So important. At least at the time, apparently. So this is happening mostly in Scotland and Ireland, but also in, you know, Great Britain as a whole and later in America mm-hmm. um, once it kind of was starting to fall out of favor. Uh, long story. But my favorite one. Can I share my favorite yes, one? Yes, please. It is, like, so funny. So in Scotland, they would go into a kale field. And is there a lot of kale in Scotland? I don't know, apparently. There must be if they've got a field. They would go into a kale field. In Ireland, they would do this with cabbage. Okay. They would go out and they would pull a kale stalk out of the ground and they would examine it. And if the kale stalk was a certain shape or, you know, like crooked maybe. Uh, or What straight, is it? Wait, hang on. What is it telling us about? Is it's it telling te- us about the dick that we're going to get? <laughs> Slightly I, crooked off the I don't left. know. I don't know if it's physical attributes or if it's a person's character. <laughs> oh, sure. Let's assume the best. Oh, so his dick. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather I... There's... Man, you know, if you're going to be thinking about something, think about something that matters. His character, he's going to be out in the field all day. Who cares? But if his dick swings hard to the left, <laughs> that an matters. important thing to know. You can break that if you're not yes. careful. Very true. Very traumatic. Yes, very true. So, yes. So, the shape... Um, and also the taste of sweet or sour. <laughs> yes, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. I know. I'm okay. trying really hard not to go there. such a child. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, yeah, yes. how it tastes. Yeah, how it tastes. It's going to tell you a lot about his personality. <laughs> Absolutely. So they have this kale stalk. And I'm going to stop making dick jokes. Yes, yeah, so they have this kale stalk. They learn a little bit about their future spouse that way. But the best part, my favorite part, is that the kale stalk could then be brought home and nailed above the doorway okay. um, into the house. And the first 
young person to walk under that doorway then was either your intended per spouse or had the same initials as your intended spouse, depending on how you were playing. That is very interesting. Yes, this process is called kaling. <laughs> <laughs> I shit you not. It is called kaling. And I just really wish I would have known about this before I got married because I would have kaled the shit out of my house. Obviously. I'll tell you the problem, though, is that when you nail something above your door, like if me and my 17 brothers and sisters and I nail kale above the door, probably my brother's going to walk underneath that next. And that says some dark things about the Scottish Islands. Oh. But yeah, I know, like, Kale's really big right now, so maybe, you know, go into your fridge, try it out. Try it out, guys. Tell us what that dick's going to taste like. So anyway, yes, fortune telling. You can use it to tell fortunes. If you can't bring yourself to eat it, like, like, I can't. Yeah. If you, yeah. If you can't choke Good it for down, something. Good for you something. You know, take a nibble, see what that cock going to taste like. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Terrible. Um, it's got a real woody stem. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> No. Oh, no. Okay. So um, let me let me uh, modern Halloween. Do you have? Does she have any insight on modern Halloween? Or, you know, some. Okay, my favorite part about Halloween was haunted houses. Yes. Um, go ahead. Well, okay. So yes, she has a lot in the book on modern Halloween, and I actually didn't read as closely into that bit because I was you didn't mostly need it concerned for work. with with stuff I needed for work because we're all very overworked in the museum field and nobody got time for that. Get the chapter you need and get the fuck out. (laughs) Exactly. But I did give it a hearty skim. and uh, Hearty skim. Yes. I like that. Yes. So it's really fascinating. She goes into a lot of detail, Halloween celebrations all over the world and kind of how Halloween festivities have evolved over time as well. So the haunted house, you Mm. know, corn mazes, things like that. Fun. And I... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a quote because, like, I think this is hilarious. It's about haunted houses. Give us a little background era or... Yes. So it is from a pamphlet in 1937. Advising um, on... It's, like, kind of advising on how to create a haunted house for your friends, but also kind of, I think, hypothetically walking you through an experience at okay. the same time. So I feel like it sounds like... An experience you might get in like a, a aspiring serial killer's basement, maybe. <laughs> I don't think it would go over very well today, but yeah, we'll read it. Well, it's here. Yes. So it says, an outside entrance leads to a rendezvous with ghosts and witches in the cellar or attic. Hang old fur, strips of raw liver on walls. Gross. What? I don't know why. That's going to ruin your drywall. Oh. Can you imagine the drips? Like oh just the... God. You'd have to repaint. Oh what my a nightmare. Gosh. Yeah. Or re-wallpaper. Yeah. Yes. Hang old fur, strips of raw liver on walls, where one feels his way to dark steps. Absolutely not. <laughs> Weird moans and howls. Oh, they must be kaling. <laughs> Sorry. Weird moans and howls come from dark corners. Damp sponges and hairnets hang from the ceiling and touch his face. At one place... Someone who is a guard dressed as a dog suddenly jumps out at him, barking and growling. Doorways are blockaded so that guests must crawl through a long, dark tunnel. No. At the end, he hears a plaintive meow and sees a black cardboard cat outlined in luminous paint. That's adorable. It like goes from like really creepy yeah. to like, oh, how cute. And then there's a kitty at the end. It's like... What are you thinking, 1937? Oh, I don't understand. 1937. Yes. So so I found that interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, by 1937, in America anyways, I can't speak to everywhere else. America does Halloween a little bit differently. And regionally, 
a little bit differently too. Now you're from Ohio, guys. We can't hold that against her. <laughs> uh, she had the good grace though to live for a long time in Eastern Michigan, where they still celebrate Devil's Night. Did you mm-hmm. ever get it on Devil's Night? I never did anything on Devil's Night, no, but the local news media just sure had a field day with Devil's Night. It does. Yes. So for the uninitiated, Devil's Night is actually October 30th. It's the Mm -hmm. night before Halloween, and it's when everybody goes out to do their tricks. It's more when you're going to egg a house or toilet paper a house or saran wrap a car. In western Michigan, we don't do that. That's not a thing in Benton Harbor, Mm -hmm. which is where I'm from. Uh, And then Halloween is more trick-or-treating, family fun. And do you know how that developed? Yeah, so the book actually touches on that a little bit, but not not so much like the regional differences, but like how Devil's Night became a thing. Yes. Um, because there's other names for it throughout the country and throughout, you know, the, the world. And she relates it back to Guy Fawkes Night. Yes. Which is November 5th, so this yes. is a little early. Yeah, but um, in England they would do very similar things to that, light bonfires, create general mischief, all that kind of thing, crackers, like sparklers and things um, on Guy Fawkes night and over time the various festivities around that time so All Saints Day, All Souls Day, Hallow's Mm -hmm. Eve, Guy Fawkes night there's a lot of overlap there and the traditions have like switched out different nights just over time. Right. Yeah. That's fantastic. So in America anyway the way that it's developed there was a woman whose name was Elizabeth Krebs and she took gardening super fucking seriously and she wasn't even growing pot so I don't understand. (laughs) But she was the president of the Hiawatha, Kansas Garden Society. And every Halloween, local kids would come and fuck up her garden. And she hated it. <laughs> so in 1912, she's looking at this destroyed garden and she's like, not again. I am going to do something about this. It's going to get better. And so she invited all of the local kids. And she had, you know, some small games and pin the tail on the donkey and bobbing for apples and kind of those traditional things. You know, donuts on strings, trying to eat them. And she thought for sure, I've put paid to this, no more. And she wakes up again the next day and sure as shit, the teenagers have come through and destroyed everything. So she says, no, not again. (laughs) And so she effectively triples the celebration and she makes something for every single age group. So there's pie, there's dancing. You know how a teenage boy loves a teenage girl. And they have little things for the kids, and they give out lots of candy and sweets. And sure enough, 1914 is the first year her garden doesn't get destroyed. And so she reports, as president of this garden society, to other neighboring communities. Here's what worked in Hiawatha. We gave the kids something else to do that was a little more wholesome, a little more supervised, (laughs) a little more fattening, but whatever. (laughs) And uh, that is what led to this American tradition of getting dressed up and kind of partying hardy on Halloween. Isn't that super cool? I think that's awesome. I love Halloween. Last question. What are you going to go as this year? Oh, so we just found out we get to dress up at work. Fun. Which is so exciting. Um, I'm going to go as Wednesday Adams. I love it. You're going to be a perfect Wednesday Adams. Uh, it's my inner goth girl just coming out. Just, I've always just like, she, she's just. You should she, let her out all the time. You'd we, be an amazing goth girl. We get each other. I had a phase. I had a solid Didn't phase in high school. I still have the box of jewelry that I can't bear to get rid of. Yep. It's like, it's still part of me in there somewhere. I used to carry a purse shaped like a coffin. I hear you. Oh, that's beautiful. It was fucking badass. I missed that purse. I had the necklace with the skulls on it. Yes. Like the cool bird skulls. Not yes. like the dumb human like, skulls. Like a bird skull on a, like a black lace choker, like yes. that sort of thing. It was amazing. So one of the things that we do before we end a show is we always have 
a listener story. Would you read one with us? Sure thing. All right. I brought one up for you. Go ahead. So this is someone named Cassidy. What's the last initial? Uh, K. Cassidy K. And so I'll just go ahead and read the whole thing. Yeah, just read the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, all right. So it says, hi, you beautiful ladies. Hi. Boy, do I have a few stories for you. Uh-oh. Love it. <laughs> I'll start off with the one that everyone seems to be wanting to know, and that's the ghost that is at my work. I work in a sex shop. Yes. I remember hearing about wanting to hear about this. Okay. (laughs) I work in a sex shop and having dildos, vibrators, and toys out on display and a ghost makes for some pretty interesting things. I'll fucking bet it does, Cassidy. I can imagine. Yes. The shop that I work in is a smaller store and sometimes you have to work alone and that means close alone and be there until 1 a.m. Now we have neighbors, but no one else is open. Is it terrible that I've... I... For all the sex shows, stores that I've been to, I've never found one that wasn't 24 hours. <laughs> I didn't know that they closed. <laughs> I mean, maybe there's not a lot of demand after 1 a.m. Maybe. I mean, all the kaling has happened already. <laughs> all the kaling is a... We've nibbled it. We know. <laughs> we taste it. <laughs> the woody stuff. That sinful kale. <laughs> <laughs> that, or they say, uh, now we have neighbors, but no one else is open or around when we're leaving at 1 a.m. And we will hear some stuff. When we remodeled to open up a bondage room, yeah, there was just some voices that we would hear. These voices wouldn't be muffled, but clear as day. And we would think that someone was in the store with us. Holy shit. Yeah. After looking around and verifying that no one was in that room, we would be a bit suspicious as to what it was. My boss was so paranoid that there was an actual human in the store after close that he got high tech cameras put in the store. So high tech that he could tell you what was written on a piece of paper on the floor. Holy crap. I'm really scared about where this is going. Yeah. Just completely honest. You know where I think it's going? Uh, I've always wondered what ghosts were moaning for. But now that I know <laughs> that they're in a BDSM room. <laughs> Mystery solved. Mystery solved. Jinkies. <laughs> <laughs> it was sex the whole time. <laughs> ghosts be boning. Meddling kids. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, The voices were eventually just a common thing, and we would call the ghost Casper because we're all children and think it's funny that Casper, the the friendly ghost, is hanging out with tongs all day. I love it. I couldn't even say that without laughing, so I agree. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Soon after I started, toys and stuff would be in the floor when we would open that we didn't leave on the floor when we closed the night before. I made a joke and said it's because the new girl didn't say goodnight to Casper the night before. And then it became a running joke that as we're leaving the store, we have to say goodnight to Casper. Every time we didn't do it, the store would be a mess when we opened. Uh-huh. Some things just want attention. Oh, man. One of the biggest things, no pun intended, (laughs) one of the biggest things that happened was when the swing fell from the ceiling, which was firmly in place for close to five years, and then all of a sudden fell. All right, but let's talk about sex swings for a second. As much as you can say it's in the ceiling properly. I mean, there's a lot of motion happening. There's a lot of force there, yeah. 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 You're better off with a couch, folks. Like, they have couches for that. I mean, do you really want to be in the middle of that and then have it fall out of the ceiling? Exactly. Feel like That's that. how you break a dick. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of dick breaking. Like, I mean, like, okay, on. you can rip a vagina, but they repair really quickly. But if you break a dick. That's like, seriously, my worst fear. You don't want to be known for that. Oh my God. That's just, that follows you. The level of notoriety no and one it'll needs. it'll ruin eggplant for you for the rest of your life. Oh my God. <laughs> 
Oh, so anyway, yes. <laughs> so every time we didn't do it, the store would be a mess when we opened. One of the biggest things that happened was when the swing fell from the ceiling, which was firmly in place for close to five years. The camera footage shows it just falling. In parentheses, I'm going to beg my boss for a copy of it to send to you guys. Oh my God, please do. Yes, thank yes. you. So the most common thing that we experience is the sound of floggers and crops smacking, but no one in the room or store for it to be happening and toys turning on and flying off the walls onto the floor. I just like picture flying dildos here. Like yes, I just can't. That's all. That's like, that's clearly what's happening. Like end of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and the flying keys everywhere yes. only with dildos. That's what I'm imagining right now. In that's my, my happy place. <laughs> when I dream tonight, that is what I will dream about. <laughs> Ticks with wings. <laughs> delicious yes this story is already long so i'll be short about what's happening at home oh that was it that was the whole sex stuff oh thing. okay that was it all right okay. well tell yes. us what's happening at home man. yes okay yes so what's happening at home my whole life i have lived in places that are haunted and more more so attached to me in my first home the house would on the dot at 2 a.m play play old classical music from nope. the attic nope no, thank Hard you. Hard pass. Yep. I hate spooky music. Not going up to the attic either. No way in you, hell. You got to burn the whole house down, I'm afraid. <laughs> My dad got mad about it one day and went up there to get the radio or whatever was playing the music out, and there was nothing up there that could have made the music. Jesus Christ. It eventually caused me to have to sleep with my TV on every night, and I still do to this day. Me too. Oh, man. In my second home, my my door to my room would open and close on its own. Oh, God, this is my worst nightmare. Uh, my room would clo- open and close on its own, and footsteps would be heard in my room to the point where my mom and stepdad thought that I would be home when I wasn't. Holy shit. Uh-huh. No. Uh, in this new house, there seems to be a prankster, but I also think one that had followed me. There was a time when I was playing with my dog, and there were orbs on the screen when I was trying to post it on Snapchat. Oh, Snapchat. Again. Again with the Snapchat. Yeah. A time where my boyfriend and I were doing the nasty in the basement. What's up? (laughs) And heard someone come down the stairs and came to find that no one was there. That's a, that's a intrigued ghost. That's, that ghost is trying to be like, who's moaning? I'll be in on the moaning. (laughs) Casper. Um, We once thought that someone broke in due to the fact that it sounded like someone opened the basement sliding door, slammed it, and started to run up the stairs. Oh my God. That's fucking terrifying. My dog was so freaked out, he wouldn't let me put him down for hours, and he hates to be held. That's That freaks me out when, yeah, like, when animals the... can sense it. That's not a good sign. Yeah. I've had that with my cats a few times, and it's just terrifying. In the new house? Uh, Well, no. Just, I mean, over the years, yeah. Okay. Like, I've had growling at nothing and things like that. Wow. It's beautiful. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's just terrifying. So, yes. The most memorable and funny time was when we had our Christmas tree up. My mom likes to collect these motion sensor ornaments, and they would scare my dogs, so we took all the batteries out of them. There was one that kept going off, but only when I was home by myself, and I got so fed up that one day I just yelled, in all caps here, For the love of God, will you just please let me fall asleep, and I will let you play with the ornament for hours after I'm asleep. Oh my God. If the third next sentence is then it was quiet, I'm... Oh my God. Yeah, so, well, the noise stopped, Uh and I was woken up hours later by the sound of it going off. Well, you gave it permission, man. Oh, my God. My mom said that besides the occasional thud, nothing has happened since I moved out, but now I know it's following me because my roommate's daughter, who's two, woke up in the middle of the night one night, 
pointed at the corner and just started crying and screaming her head off. Oh my fucking God. Children and animals. These are the worst things. That's just, that's just a big nope. That's a nope for me. (sighs) Girl, you should maybe look into getting your shit cleared. That's, that's alarming. That's, that's bad. Yes. Did she end there? I'm so sorry. No, she, uh, they say, okay, well, this is a long story, but thanks for all of the laughs and funny dick jokes. I drive an hour to work every day and an hour home, and I always love Thursdays when the podcast is out. We love you, too. <laughs> and I feel you on that long-ass commute, boo. I hope, I'm glad we can make that easier for you. Oh. Man, that was great. Yeah. That was everything I hoped it would be. Casper the friendly ghost. Casper the friendly fucking ghost. My life has forever changed now. It's amazing and perfect. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Connie, I should let you get home. You got a long ass drive. Yes, Thank I you do. for hauling your cookies out here. I really appreciate it. This was super fun. I'm so, so glad. I loved it. You want to come on the show all the time? Sure. <laughs> Deal. Done. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening to this half of the show. My name is Kate. And I'm Connie. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Okay. Thank you so much to Connie for coming in and speaking with, well, not me, but with Kate. Yay! I hope you all enjoyed it. I can't wait to listen to that because full disclosure, I haven't heard it yet. Whoa! (laughs) The magic of editing, y'all. Magic! (laughs) But it's going to be fucking tight as tits. I really enjoyed recording it. So everybody, happy Halloween. Oh, yes. You're all the best. Join us on our Facebook group. This podcast is haunted on Facebook. We also have a Facebook page that we barely use. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) It's really more of a bulletin board for new episodes. (laughs) Right. We encourage you to join the Facebook group. They're like the nicest people on the internet. So like, I don't know, we're like, what, 430 people and nobody's had to be like a creeper yet. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, join us online. You can share with us your favorite Halloween memories. <gasps> Ooh, I just thought of this. Old Halloween pictures. I want to see your 1990s ass Halloween costumes, creepy children costumes, anything. I'll see what I can find. I love it. Dig some up. I will share some of mine. And we can just hang out, talk about how much we love Halloween. But, yeah, I love that we have found our people and you all i'm not the one weird ghost girl anymore we're all weird ghost we're all weird ghost kids (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right yeah so yeah thank you happy halloween happy halloween thank you all so much for listening oh we're on twitter and instagram and whatever stay safe out there yeah halloween's dangerous if you're gonna drink don't drive yeah. Then wear brightly lit clothing when you're out in public. If you're gonna go ghost hunting, stay safe. Yeah. Don't get arrested, really. That's really the big danger there. Yeah. Yeah. You know. You do know. All right. Stay spooky, motherfuckers. See you in a fortnight. <laughs>